Welcome to the Construction Career Podcast with Cliff and Kent, where we explore different areas of the construction industry to shed light on what life is like in companies across the field to help you build your career to your own specification. This episode of the Construction Career Podcast is brought to you by Wilson and Hampton Painting Contractors. Wilson and Hampton has been the premier painting contractor in Southern California since 1923. From concurrent projects at LAX and the historical restoration of the Salk Institute to decorative painting and gold leafing in LDS temples around the world. Whether working in the field or in-house refinishing shop, Wilson and Hampton can provide you with the quality and experience needed to make your next project a success. Well, welcome to the Construction Career Podcast with Cliff and Kent. Today we've got Shabini Alford that's here to speak with us. Uh, Shabini, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, well, good. I'm glad somebody's excited. <laughs> Aside from us. Yes. Um, who is it that you work for? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, my name is Shabini. I work for Murray Company. We're based out of Rancho Dominguez, California, and I'm the Vice President of Project Management and Design Build. Okay, well tell us a little about what Murray is for people that aren't from California. Oh, sure. Murray Company, we are a mechanical contractor. We specialize in plumbing, piping, HVAC, underground utilities, and advanced technologies, kind of the pharmaceutical high-purity piping. Okay, and you're one of the big players in Southern California. In we California. are, yes. We're one of the largest on, on the West Coast, yes. Where does that put you in the United States? Uh, a 24 on the ENR. Just special. The that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. That is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, for a specialty contractor, that's, that's a big <laughs> deal. How long have you been with Murray? So October 1st will be 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. I know. It's been a long time. And you're located here in Southern California, right? Correct. So where did you go to school? I went to Cal Poly Pomona. Okay. And what would you say about the education? Were you happy with the education you got? I was. My degree is in engineering technology with an emphasis in mechanical and manufacturing. Uh, it's a little bit different than mechanical engineering, which was more theory-based. Engineering technology is applied. So it's here's the formula, here's how to use it, and off you go. Okay. Did you start out? in that field or did you change to that i didn't what? actually i i went into cal poly in uh, with aerospace engineering in mind okay and then it was really hard <laughs> but also i thought in the future i'm going to be stuck at a desk probably just doing calculations and math and i think you know that didn't really fit well with my personality and so i switched <laughs> one of our other guests was was going to do computers yeah it was uh Gerlani. Jerlani was going to go into construction or computer computers, science. Computers. Computer science. And she got into she it, was like, oh, like, this is like not for me. No, yeah. Nonsense, she said. So. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, it's always interesting to see that you know, everybody's idea kind of changes usually as they get into school. Yes. Um, and that's okay. If you find something that you like, what drew you to mechanical? Funny that you asked that. So I was a super senior. I did five years at Cal Poly Pomona. And going into my senior year, it was the summer before, I knew I needed a senior project. So Murray Company, we're mechanical contractors. We're a union contractor. So we belong to MCAA, the Mechanical Contractors Association of America. And here in California, there are two local chapters for Northern California and then CPMCA for Southern California. Well, CPMCA came to Cal Poly that summer before my senior year and asked if we were interested in starting a student chapter because they do a student chapter competition annually. And so we said, sure. And I needed a senior project. So I was like, yep, I'll do it. And I loved it. I had never thought about what went into construction. You know, you drive by construction projects, but I never really stopped to think, how does all that get designed? How does it get built? 
And so the more I got into it, the more I learned and the local contractors would come to Cal Poly and kind of show us how to read plans and just provide support and they take us to job sites. And so I got to learn a lot about the industry. Uh, we went on to compete at the student chapter competition and we won first place. And it was amazing. We haven't won first place since. In fact, I don't think we've even placed in the top four <laughs> since. But it was really inspiring. And so we came back, we won, and, and contractors started calling me and, you know, all of our classmates. And I decided to go to Murray Company. Well, let's, let's talk a little about that. Did you do any internships while you were there? I did. And I don't remember the name of the company. It was a very small mom and pop shop, and they were an MEP consulting firm. Okay. And so I spent uh, three months there, and I an engineer would give me a set of plans that he drew up by hand, and I was uh, backcatting okay. on AutoCAD to see. Okay, so then you were putting it in digital, digitizing yes, it basically. Correct. Like, so you you went to engineer for a small company, yes. not one of these. You know, you didn't get on with a huge GC or yeah. a huge company. Do you think that that was a hindrance at all to you getting a job? No, no, not at all, not at all. The point that we try to make is that hey. You gotta have your eyes open when you're looking at internships. Yes. And if you go for what you can get, yes. Don't think that you know the experience is what's important. Oh, for sure, because I knew my CAD skills sucked, and they still do, and so that's the exposure I needed. I needed to focus on on the AutoCAD portion of it. <laughs> he didn't even know it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, uh, you know, from there, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, did you come out of school? knowing how to read plans is that something they taught in your your field like in your degree a little bit yeah they did a little bit we had one of our professors um owned an hvac company and so he did spend time showing us how to read a set of plans and then as we started the student chapter like i said a lot of the contractors came in and taught us okay this symbol means the pipe's going up this symbol means it's going down so there was a little bit of exposure to that well and, and i guess the point there is that Maybe you don't get it all in school, mm -hmm. but there's other ways you can get it. Like you go right. That. So that student chapter, you know, we started it. It still exists there at Cal Poly Pomona. This last year, CPMCA, we opened up a student chapter at USC. And so there are organizations like that, at, you know, student chapters on campuses that give you much more exposure into what the real world is like versus just focusing on your studies. And we haven't really asked anybody up until this point. So this is you're going to be the one that answers this question. Okay. Is, with those type of programs, yes. I mean, do you suggest that kids take part in that? Absolutely. And in fact, because it was so career defining for me, I guess, it's what launched me into this career path, I give back. Uh, I'm actually going to be speaking at Cal Poly next month at their student chapter monthly meeting. Actually, Joe DeFlavio was a member of a group at, at Boise, Boise, State. Boise State. That's true. And he said it was key to his getting internships and 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 advancing yeah and it and yeah i mean if you get in there and know uh, you had the opportunity to meet with a lot of the local contractors yes you know and get to know some of these people and that's plays a big part when you're looking for a job yes and it's actually where my go-to place is cal poly pomona and usc i want to see the resumes of those student chapter kids because when i'm looking for interns part-time full-time work i'm going there well let's talk a little bit about that what are you looking for when you're looking for interns I'm looking for motivation. Are you self-motivated? How do you present? How do you speak? How do you write your resume? What are your interests outside of school? What kind of clubs, associations, hobbies are you into? Because I could teach you the plumbing. I can't teach you to be self-motivated. Did I steal your question? No. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> that was good. So from there, as we talk about 
I'm going to point out something because I've been listening to another podcast and this other podcast is about IndyCar and he interviews drivers all the time. Mm -hmm. And the key thing there are these guys that are highly motivated. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's the people that want to do this. They want, they want to get someplace. Yes. And, and they, they set themselves apart from the other guys that are good drivers. Yeah. But they don't know how to go out and get a hold of it. Right. So, and everybody, that's that's what employers want. They want someone who's going to go out and get the job done. Yes. They they're focused on getting the job done. Yes. When I we you know when I have a project engineer or a project manager come with come to me with an issue or a, a problem, I want to know what have you, what work have you put into it coming up with a solution, right? You're not just coming to me with a problem. Yeah, I, I don't put that monkey on my back. <laughs> don't make it my problem. I understand the problem. What do you think we should do? <laughs> we laugh because that that gets you in trouble in the small office. I guess. But uh, that occurred yesterday. Oh. <laughs> so, the, the point being is, yeah, you've got to, you know, you can, like you said, you can teach somebody yes. the things they need to learn yes. in a trade or in a position. Mm-hmm. It's, and maybe engineering, you know, there's some of that, you have to learn it at some point and you yeah. do have to have a degree, but, but in a management position or something like that, if you're motivated to just do the work, I mean, yeah. that's 90% of the battle. Yes. So from there, we talk about, you'd gone to school, you'd been a part of this organization. Mm-hmm. So... When you graduated, did you have a job lined up? Uh, yeah, I did. So I had a job lined up. I actually did spend the first three months right out of college at a small mom and pop plumbing outfit, and then I joined Murray Company right after that. Okay, and it, were you just hey, you shot out some resumes looking for? Uh, it was through the student chapter. Okay, that at uh, the my very first job and Murray Company that I had met these contractors while I was still in school. And then where did, let's talk a little bit about your career progression for Murray. What did you start as? I started as a project engineer. And what does a project engineer at Murray do? A lot of things, actually. Mostly RFIs, submittals. You do whatever it takes to support the PM and the foreman uh, building the job. Well, the reason I ask is, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're with a specialty contractor. In fact, the first we've had on with a specialty that's not with a GC. (laughs) So, you know, let's talk a little bit about some of the differences. As a project engineer, you know, you're you're doing the same stuff. You're dealing with the project manager. You're dealing with the project engineer. What day-to-day tasks do they have you doing? Are you doing drawings? Are you doing RFIs? Are you doing submittals? Like yeah, so there's a lot of RFIs that are written, but it's really sitting with your detailer. A lot of times that's where you know the early RFIs are written. Understanding what that issue is, what the question is that we want to ask, writing it in such a way that we're kind of hinting at the answer that we're looking for, but also giving proper notice to the client. Is this going to be a schedule impact? Is this going to be a cost impact? How much of a cost impact is that going to be? And then attaching all the appropriate drawings, right? So that that's the RFIs. On the submittals, I mean, being a specialty contractor, we're mechanical, we're plumbing, no part is the same, right? You can't just pick any random valve. What kind of stem? What kind of finish? What kind of ends? And so you got to pick the right ones. And that requires a lot of collaboration with our purchasing department, our detailing department, and the field guys, their input. When you were the project engineer, were you in the field or were you in the office? A little bit of both. So I did spend some time in the field. And then when I was in the office, it was because I was working on smaller projects or I was doing pre-construction for a large project little bit of both which and I think that really helped in the field obviously you're getting all the field experience but in the office that's where I started building relationships internally 
with the comp- within the company. Exactly, which I think is one of the things that's led to the success of my career so far. How yeah. big was Murray when you started with Murray? Let's talk in revenue sense. It was about eighty million when I first started, and we're three hundred million now. So it's grown quite a bit. You could say just a little, almost bit. four times. Just well, a little bit. There you go. Well, and you know, around Southern California, Murray's a company you know as a contractor. That's yes, just, they're one of the big right. big names in the industry. As we talk about, you know, where you started as a project engineer. Yeah. And, and we were talking a little bit about like. It's interesting as a painter, you know, we, we, they see, we see things differently. Yeah. Because you were saying when we were at dinner, you know, you're not only a contractor, but you're also a manufacturer. I mean, you guys are building yeah. things that have to be installed. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you have to step back and look at what we do. And it's almost like we are a manufacturing facility. What we do is we draw everything in 3D. Everything, you know, is in that BIM environment. And then we turn it around and break it into spool sheets. And those spools go to our fabrication facility and we pre-assemble, pre-fabricate most of our installation. And then it gets trucked out to the job site and put together. So when you put on that manufacturing hat, it's a totally different mentality. We're not stick building it in the field. We are drawing everything in 3D, building it in the fab shop, and then taking it out to the field in pieces. So in over the course of your career, yes. has that gotten better? Oh my gosh, yes. So with like, let's talk a little bit about some of the technology that's out there. You know, BIM, we were saying before, BIM almost was developed for MEP contractors. Yeah, so one of the projects that I'm so proud of that I've done in my career was the hotel and residences at LA Live. So if you'll recall, it's a 54-story high-rise, and that was all done on light tables. And sometimes you tell some of the younger kids now, like, no, that was all you know, coordinated on a light table and they don't understand that concept, but it was, it was mostly drawn by hand, coordinated on a light table. And then we turned around and put it into CAD so that we could prefabricate all of the piping. (laughs) That was not a project that was uh, coordinated in 3D. Okay. That's not that long ago. No, that was started in 2007. So you can see. Wow. What a transition. Huge. In, In that amount of time. Yeah. Have you, do you do many projects anymore that are not digital? You know, LAX comes to mind only because it's an existing facility. There's a lot of stuff in there. It's very hard to detail. And the as builds are real. Right. Um, yeah, we have done portions of LAX where they 3D laser scan the area and mm-hmm. we were able to, to detail it. But things like that or an existing hospital sometimes it's difficult to do without a laser scan ahead of time. Well, but, uh, you know, new construction, I would imagine almost everything is everything. BIM-related now. Yeah. And, yeah, the question that we ask at our office is, what are we not fabricating? Because the intent is we will prefabricate everything. Everything we can. Yep. So from project engineer, mm-hmm. now, how long were you as a project engineer? I don't know. Three, four years? Okay. What's the next step from there? I was an assistant project manager, and that title never existed and does not exist still to this day. So I held that title just only for like a year or two because it was just an interim thing. And then I was promoted to project manager probably 2012. Okay. So you you went from project engineer, assistant project manager, now to project manager. Yeah. What what does your project management entail at at an MEP contractor? Lots of financials, where do we stand, where are we going, and detailing and fabrication and productivity. So did your education cover all of, like, the entire scope? No. The financial <laughs> side and how everything goes together? Or? No, no, it didn't. I feel like it gave me a good background in understanding a set of 
plans when I'm looking at it. Like, okay, this pumps here and then it goes there and then it comes out this way. Give me that background, but it certainly didn't prepare me for, for what I do now. <laughs> what the, what would you say are some of the key things that you've had to learn? I mean, kids that are looking to come out in the industry and eventually they're going to land in a role like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are the things that they really should be looking at trying to figure out? The finance is important. I mean, I feel like in my role now, that's mostly what I'm looking at. And it's really important to understand how to forecast what you've spent, how much more do you have to spend, what's your risk, what's your exposure. That's really important. And I think developing your leadership skills are, are very important and uh, speaking skills. In the course of your business, mm -hmm. are you developing any new ideas in the in the way to either fabricate the stuff or the way things move or is that all done by a designer so in other words you know you said you, you have a pump pipe goes here but how often does murray go there's a better way to do that often 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 we do a lot of design build work and so a lot of times we are the stamping engineer we're the ones that designed it and then we turn around and build it on projects where we are plans and specs, we are always looking to provide a solution that is either more economical, makes more sense. Process design. You're designing yep. the way the, the, the stuff moves. Yeah. I was just going to go back to say, as you were saying, public speaking. I actually read a thing the other day that said public speaking is one of the most important things you're going to know yes. in this industry. Because if you have to deal with a client, if you have yeah. to deal with coworkers, I mean, that's... And not everybody thinks public speaking is... You know, some guy on stage. It's sure. like, no, it's your skills in dealing with people right. on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, so I'll tell you a little story. So I was born in Fiji and didn't speak a lick of English. When I was seven years old, my family moved to Canada. A Canada. A, a Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it was second grade that I started there in Canada, and I didn't speak any English. And so my dad, of course, we had to take ESL, English as a second language. So we did that for until I was 13, which is when I moved to the U.S., but my dad made a rule that at home, we could only speak in English because he wanted us to learn it faster. Okay, so we did that. So 13 years old, we moved down here to the U.S. and I was going into high school. And you you know how you got to pick like one or two electives in yeah. high school? Okay, so we sit down. My dad's like, I'm going to pick your elective. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so he picked my elective and it was forensics, speech and debate. And so I did speech and debate for three years in high school. And I think that really helped a lot. You know, you, of course, you still get nervous, but I'm comfortable enough getting in front of a crowd and speaking. But also where it helps is, you know, a lot of times in our business, you're in tough conversations and you're negotiating, and you're fighting for your money and all that kind of stuff. You got to be able to articulate your your point. Well, Bruno had said it in one way. I always, I always remember this. You can have the best message in the world. But if you present it wrong, right, no one's going to listen to it. True. Very true. And and that's important. I mean, you got to know there's Elton had said at one point you know, he finds that his elective of psychology is what he uses more than his his rest. Oh, of his, interesting. You know, <laughs> you know, engineering degree or whatever. But, we should uh, all have that degree in construction. And uh, so it's interesting to think there's all these soft skills that, yeah. you know, you're going to pick up and you need to pick up. Like it's not all book smarts. It's not all the engineering math and stuff that goes behind it. But the more you can get along with the people that you work with and that clear communication is key I mean, yes. for, the, for the company to move forward. So clear, simple, precise communication. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. What we've been dealing with in the past couple of days around the office. 
from there, now project manager, are you still project manager or what no. are you now? I So I went from project manager to project executive and I was overseeing a lot of our design build projects. And then I think it was two, maybe three years ago, I'm now uh, vice president, project management and design build. And what that means is we have a engineering group. Like I said, we do a lot of design build work. So from a high level, I oversee that group. And then on the project management side, we have about 25 project managers that work out of our main office, and I oversee all of them. And so overall profit and loss responsibility for all of the plumbing and piping projects out of our main office, so about half of our revenue. <laughs> Runs across your desk at one point or another. Yeah, right? yeah. So I'm going to have a question of then the process design. Uh -huh. Who in Murray does that work? So I think you're talking about our detailing department, our CAD department. Okay. And that department is like 85 strong right now, 85 people. And there's a guy named Dave Francis. He's our BIM manager. Uh, Dave sits on the Autodesk and BIM Forum. Um, there's some association. Association. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he leads that group up, and there's about 85 folks in there doing all of the detailing. And then you add in the uh, 10 engineers that we have. Um, so you're almost at 100 people. Now, and a person can make a career out of that. Oh, absolutely. And really a fascinating career because they're doing different pro projects all the time. Yes. It's never the same. Interesting. You've been in that position for how long? In my current position? Uh, two to three years. Okay. As know. project executive? <laughs> uh, no, vice president. Vice president. Yes. There <laughs> we go. Let's talk a little bit. One of the things we wanted to talk about was outside of work. Yes. You know, there's, a, there's an organization that you're president of currently yes so let's talk a little bit about some of these we haven't talked and we had, again we hadn't talked about it in school being a part of a membership or an association right but you're president and actually we're part of the founding of YOPS. correct so can you talk a little bit about that sure yes YOPS is a uh, women in operations it's a nonprofit organization that myself and six other ladies started five years ago I'll tell you a little bit about how it came to be from my perspective I had just come back from maternity leave after having my first child and boy I was struggling <laughs> um, I was the first female at Murray company from the operations side that you know had a baby and it was coming back and so it was the difficulty of the lack of sleep it was I was breastfeeding my child and so I was pumping leaving meetings locking the door trying to find some place to go private place yeah and it was just and you know you're emotional and you know lack of sleep and so I was struggling and I didn't have a lot of females to reach out to, but I did have a good friend, Sarah Carr at McCarthy, and she didn't have any children, but I called her anyway. And I said, Sarah, you got to know somebody that's going through what I'm going through or has gone through what I've gone through that can just give me a hug and tell me you're going to get through this. And so she said, yeah, you know, there's a couple people that I've heard. You know, we've talked about the unique challenges that women face. Let's all go out to dinner. So we all called a couple friends. We went to dinner one night and that's how YOPS was born. It's just an organization to address some of the unique challenges that women go through, but also to provide a platform for mentoring. And one of the things that I hear the most from women that are just joining the organization is, I didn't know there were this amount of women in the industry. Well, and it's changed. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in your career. Yeah. You know, there's more and more that are taking on lots of different roles. Yes. You know, and they're just as capable. But one of the things that this podcast is to serve as a platform, you can talk about you know why you started this organization and what it entails right now why ops 
is it started here in California, right? The Southern Cor- California chapter yes, was our, the beginning. That's right. Yeah, we launched uh, five and a half years ago at Murray Company. And every year in January, the event is held at Murray Company. And then earlier this year in January, we launched a chapter in Northern California. So right now we just have the Southern California and Northern California chapters. So is the plan world domination or what are you guys going for? Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, that's great. And, I, and honestly, it's like things that... No, I really want to know what... I mean, I, I understand how it started, mm-hmm. but what do you actually do for each other? The mentoring is a really big thing. We want to uh, provide a place where women and men, we don't discourage men from attending. We absolutely want men to attend our events, to be able to network and meet each other and call each other if, you know, you just need a pep talk. Or now you've met somebody from a different industry and maybe they can help you on your project or to advance your career. Uh, But the other thing, too, is we do a lot of hands-on technical events. So we've learned how to solder pipe. We've learned how to do electrical wiring. We haven't had a painting event, which you guys should think about. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) We've learned how to pour concrete. We've learned um, so many things. So it provides an environment where you can learn. And it's not about being a woman. You could be a woman or a man. We want to better the industry. Uh, Props to you. I think that's great. And that's, you know, one of the things is, so this organization exists. And you talked about a lot of things that men would never think of. You know, I I have a wife, I have kids. So when you start talking about breastfeeding, it's like, oh, well, yeah. I know, sorry. My my wife would, you know, that was when we go places and she's breastfeeding when we have a kid. It's like, well, yeah, that's difficult. She's got to find a place to do it. Mm -hmm. Try to catch a flight or try Mm -hmm. to do something. And it's, it doesn't wait. Like there's a certain time. Right. And so to know that there's a group out there that's, you know, thought about these things. You were the first one that had done it in this office role. Yes. So, hey, there's all these firsts. Right. It's like. Now there's an organization built around, hey, these things that you need to think of and and how it's going to work. I think that's great. Thank you. Would you suggest kids in school? Is it a program that kids in school should be looking at? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Something that we want to do at YOPS is start to uh, reach out to some of the young women early on. So just beyond college, even high school or elementary. So last month, I volunteered at the Naywick Girls Camp. And it's a camp for 13 and 14 year old girls to come and learn about construction. And we built a tiny house. Like, how cool is that? That's awesome. Right? That's, that's truly awesome. Because I'm sitting here thinking, when you said even grammar school, I thought, oh, that's brilliant. Yes. So down so the these s- girls are like, oh, I can put things together. Right? Hold on. We got to cancel this call. <laughs> down the street from our main office is the Colin Powell Academy for Success. And every year for the last couple of years, they've been bringing their eighth grade graduating students, right? And so a couple of years ago, two years ago, in fact, they asked if I would uh, if I would speak for the kids. And I said, sure. How many, you know, guys and girls? And they said, oh, the, just the boys are coming. Just the boys? No, I'm not speaking unless you bring the girls. And they said, well, that would be like 60 kids. And I'm like, well, then bring 60 kids. I'm more interested in speaking to the young ladies, not to the boys. I mean, no offense, but... They have a lot of role models, and you're coming to a construction company. I want to show the young women what the possibilities are. There's a place for you. Yes. Just like anybody else. Yes. Well, I think that's great. Didn't you have a question, Cliff, about the organization? He asked it. I asked (laughs) it. Why does it need to exist? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Now, one of the other things that you do. You also teach. I do. So let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. So like I said, Murray Company, we belong to the National MCAA organization, the Mechanical Contractors Association of America, and they're very big on training and education. So I sit on their committee um, for project manager education, 
And what that means is I also teach at the Institute of Project Management. And so these are mechanical contractors. They're usually young PEs, young project managers from all of the organizations across the company. And they can elect to send some of their employees to a two-week Institute of Project Management. And they split it up. There'll be like a week in April and then another the second week in October. And I teach in week one. It's a 10-hour course on the integrated project manager. So how do you, as a mechanical project manager, oversee the BIM and fabrication process? There you go. It's intense. Is it 10 hours a day or is it 10 hours overall? It's 10 hours a day. So the program starts on a Monday, ends on a Friday. I think Friday they get out half day, but Monday through Thursday it starts at 7 a.m. and ends at 5 or 6 p.m. Did you develop the curriculum for that? I did. I did. For that particular class only, not for the two-week program. Right. For the class that I teach, and I teach it with a, another colleague of mine. His name is Rada, a North Mechanical out of Indiana. Him and I teach it together. Awesome. Is that now, I guess the question would be, is that stuff that you learned in the field? Or is that stuff that yeah, you Yeah, that learned? was my question. Where did the development of that curriculum come from? How was it sourced? So, so a lot of it is pictures. So pictures of our fabrication facility. It's a lot of, I'm showing them spreadsheets of how we document our fabrication process. And then I'm giving them a little history and a lesson on BIM and CAD. How do we get there? What does LOD mean? How does your contract tie into what you owe them as a deliverable? So it's a lot of lessons learned over the years that I've had and just trying to teach this younger generation of how to do risk management. So it's really coming from the experience you've had is yes. where the curriculum is formed. Yes. So the one thing that, you know, the point there to make is that as you get out in the field and you graduate school, you're still able to learn a lot of stuff. And it's going to be pertinent that you do learn it. So it's funny that you say that because one of the reasons that I do like to teach is because I always learn something while I'm there. I, this is an opportunity where I get to touch up contractors all across the nation. So when we're talking about, oh, this is how we track our or whatever, and they'll say, well, have you ever tried this? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And that's a really good idea. Um, so that's one of the reasons I like doing it. Another reason is just uh, staying connected to the industry at the national level. And then I like that there's only two female teachers right now. And I want, again, the young women to see that you can have a, a long career, successful career in this business. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the gender card. Yeah. You know, and even the gender minority card. Yeah. Did it affect your career? I mean, you know, is it something that you dealt with coming up in the industry? For a long time, I didn't think so. Okay. I think now, though... Yeah, it has. And maybe at the time I didn't realize it. There's been specific things that have happened. I'm just like, wait, what? Other things that maybe happened that weren't so obvious that when I now think about it, I'm like, I don't think that was right. But I mean, let's face it. I work for a, a smaller contractor compared to these large contractor, uh, general contractors. But I'm a woman. I'm a minority. I'm young. Uh, sometimes it's a challenge. But I can honestly say I've always had the support of, of Murray Company. Well, and that's a key thing, that yeah. the culture's there behind you. And Absolutely. I think that has a lot to do with my success and other people that I see is what is the culture at your company? Well, and what, uh, what would be some key things that people should look for when they're looking at a company to work for? Like, What would be your thoughts on what's important in a culture of a company? Well, at Murray, we have a very strong family atmosphere. We're not family-owned. We're 100% employee-owned. But that family atmosphere is really, really strong. We like to have fun. 
I don't know if that's because of the whole ESOP thing and everybody's got this vested interest, you know, for the company to succeed. But, you know, we joke, we have fun. A lot of events at our, our main office. Well, you know, you're, you're busy. There's yes. a lot there's a lot going on. Yeah. But you enjoy coming into work. I do. Day. And you enjoy the people that you work with. I do. So that would be something I would say, you know, is you got to make sure it's the right fit. Yes. And and if it's not, then then leave. Yeah. Find somewhere that does fit. Right. So is it getting better for women? Would you say I mean, you've been in the industry now for how many years? 15. You know, is it getting better? Yes. But we all have a role to play. I was looking back at the statistics of just the, the group that, you know, I oversee in our engineering department. We're at 14%. I want to see that get to 40%. I have one project executive right now. It's a woman. So that's 100% hit ratio right there. Where I'm struggling right now is at the project manager position. I'm only 10% there, but that's because I cannot find a qualified candidate regardless of whether it's a man or a woman. It's just tough right now. Things are busy. So what I've done is my project engineers, it's 40% female. And what I'm doing is I'm uh, most of my project engineers, I'm pulling from USC. I'm pulling from Cal Poly Pomona. Like we talked about earlier, I'm looking for what are your speaking skills like? What do you do? Like, are you motivated? That's how I'm trying to build up more diversity because with the hopes that most of these project engineers will move into the project manager position. So I can go from what's currently is 10% uh, female at the project management level to hopefully 40, 50, 60% female. It's the long game. It's the long game, yeah. but you got to, that's something that you have to look at is diversity. Yeah. Well, and, and that's exactly, you know, like we talked earlier, if the, if it's a level playing field, because no one's saying that a guy can do a job better than a female can. Right. So if both of them are skilled the same way, why would you not go for the better fit or the more right. diverse, you know, right. for the diversity? Yeah, um, we're not talking about pumping iron. No, we're not talking about pumping iron. <laughs> although, although there's women out there that can pump more iron than I can. So. But diversity, not just among men, women, but ethnicity, yeah. uh, background. Um, some of my project managers came through formal education, the college route. Some of my project managers came up through the trade. I need that diversity, right? Because they think differently, because they can share ideas with each other and help each other out. So diversity across all levels. I have this question I'm like thinking about. So you have your this manufacturing arm, so to speak, mm -hmm. and then you have the field arm that's actually on the construction project site. Yes. Is there a different culture between those two entities. arms, those two entities? No. And, and is there a crossover between the people? You know, are the are the field guys coming in and working in the fab place, and the fab guys going out? Yes. So um, at our company, the detailer on the project works for the foreman because the foreman's the guy that's going to be building that. Right. So if he wants something turned a certain way or it's not going to fit through an opening or whatever, he has to provide that direction to the detailer that the detailer might not see it virtually in the 3D world. Right. But also schedule. That detailer doesn't know when we need to get that you know, those spool sheets done and the fab done, he's getting fed that information from the field. And so the detailer and the field foreman are tied at the hip and they very much work together. Yesterday we were at the USC Coliseum topping out party and three of our detailers were there. We, they're a part of the crew. You help build this virtually, but you're a part of this celebration too. Does Murray have a program where they train people to move up in the company? Like I mean, you come in, you, you hire a bunch of plumbers, right? I mean, you, you plumbing contractor. Yeah. But then you said you've got some that have moved into operations that, Correct. that come from the field. 
Correct. Uh, not a formal policy on the field side of it. It's more just word of mouth I've heard or they've been pointed out as somebody that might be interested and I'll go talk to them. On the With the people that came through formal education, like the project engineers, I always tell everybody, you can be whatever you want to be. If you want to be the next Jim DeFlavio, our president and CEO, great. I'll support you and help you get there. So I'm very flexible. We have a lot of people that come in through the estimating department that want to go to operations or then want to go into engineering. I'll support whatever it is they want to do as long as they work hard and they're worth supporting. Exactly. I guess you could say. Yes. So from there, I mean, as we we talk a little bit about what it is that you've done and what it is that you've accomplished, which is very impressive, by the way. Thank you. What would be some advice you give to these college kids? I mean, you know, one of the questions we love to base this show on is, okay, you're back in college how many years ago. You know, what advice <laughs> What advice would you give yourself that you know now? I mean, what, what would you think is important that they should know? Probably the, like I said, the student chapters, the associations. I see a lot of companies, not just construction, other industries, where they do invest a lot into colleges because that's where the talent pool is coming from. And so kind of just to get out of the classroom and look at what other organizations, clubs are available on campus that can give you face time with employers. Well, and that, that's been a huge part of your career. It has. You know, and so I think that's important. You look at what your school has, and if it's not there, maybe it's worth starting something. Yeah, that's and what we did. Yeah. <laughs> well, and let, you know, let's, what, what was the process there? I mean, was that you just, you talked about it, just came about over a dinner conversation for YOPS to begin. Yes. And it was something that you saw the need for. Yes. And then how did it move forward? We didn't know that it was going to turn into what it is today. We thought, okay, well, let's start something. Let's meet quarterly, right? Now we have monthly meetings, but back then it was just every quarter. And we'd get, you know, 10, 15 women. And we just kind of talk about some things that we're seeing and maybe roundtable discussions. But now we have monthly events and we're averaging 85 people at each event. Like that's amazing and it's been five and a half years we never thought it would turn into this we didn't know what it was going to be but we knew that we needed something where women can you know discuss some of the the unique challenges that we face well and it's obvious that there's a need because yes. it's growing yes you know and that's you, you, you fit that niche which is it's a need is what people have yeah do you have something you're gonna ask cliff yeah i want to talk because <clears throat> this has never never affected me at all it's can you have a normal family life and still work in construction. And, you know, I want to reiterate, so Shanini is, is the vice president of a $300 million a year company. That's a big position. Yes. So, like, are you the proverbial superwoman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am. That's a great way of putting it. Yes, you can have career and family. So I think I shared with you guys, my husband is also in the industry. He is a director for McCarthy Building Companies. So he's got a really important position as well. And we have two children. My daughter is six and my son is four. Uh, Kent, you asked me this earlier. How do we do it? A full-time nanny. I know that maybe not everybody can afford that, but that's what works for us. Because we work so much, we don't get to see our kids a whole lot during the week. And so be it homework, cleaning, <laughs> Did laundry, dishes, Did the laundry, whatever. You know. She made our nanny makes dinner every night. I mean, our nanny's kind of the project manager of our our house, our home, <laughs> and our children. Yeah. She is. People used to ask me what my mother did. I said, oh, she runs a company, right? Yeah, she's got five kids. It, you know? It's just like that because on the weekends, 
I'm not doing any chores. I'm not doing laundry. I'm not going grocery shopping or anything like that. My husband and I are spending time with our kids. The weekends are precious to us. And so the full-time nanny is the only way we're we're making it work. Well, you know, it's a trade-off. I mean, the thing we talked, you know, we, my personally, my family, we've tried to do the best we can so my wife can stay home. Mm -hmm. But you sacrifice a lot in that. And what it comes down to is the best that you can give your kids. Yeah. And I really feel, and this is something I hope people take to heart, is it's important that your kids see that you're willing to work to support your family. Yes. And I don't think that needs to be, you know, that's something that people need to understand. Right. It's like, you know, both of you are working hard to do the best you can for yourself and for your company, but also for your family. Yeah. And your kids are going to see that. I mean, it sucks that you're not home every single day and it yeah. sucks, you know, you got these long hours, but they see that you're willing to work. They do. I mean, just at six and four, I could tell you they are master negotiators, master negotiators. <laughs> and it's funny because a lot of um, my friends in the industry always wonder, I wonder what your guys' conversations are like at home, being that my husband, Dave, works for a general contractor. I work for a mechanical contractor, and we've done numerous projects together over the years. Not me and him personally, but McCarthy and Murray Company. And it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Well, so as we talk, and that's another thing we can talk, touch on is, you know, the construction's a business of relationships. Yes. You know, so what would be your take on some of these longstanding relationships? I mean, you develop those, you find the generals that you like to work for, that are honest, that are, you know, they treat you the way that you want to be treated and you try to treat them the way that they should be treated. When you find that, you nurture that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, there's going to be issues on every project, and it certainly helps to have a friend on the other side of the table that understands where you're coming from. That makes it very nice. Okay. Well, 100%. I mean, you're going to, you know, there's always going to be the difficult conversation. Yeah. There's always going to be that somebody dropped a ball somewhere. Right. And the fact that you can go to them and have this conversation, that's, that's important. Yeah. Without throwing out, well, section two of article four in the contract says this. No, you, you don't want to do that. Well, don't talk to Cliff because that's exactly what you <laughs> 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 What's it say in the spec? What's it say in the contract? Well, let's look right here. But typically it comes to that point long after any chances. Yes. You know, has you've had any chance to make amends before. Right. And hopefully that's the way that it comes down. How long's your normal work week now? So Kent and uh, Cliff, I'm not a morning person. I'm not. I'm not one of those construction people that shows up to the office at five or six in the morning. Okay, good. My kind of people. Fist bump. <laughs> I usually get there before nine, and I'm at the office till about six six thirty. But weekends, that sometimes happens. Work at home, you know, after the kids are in bed, that happens. You do whatever it takes, you know. Yeah. And the flexibility in my position currently is if I need to leave because my daughter's singing at school or there's something going on, I, I'm doing it. Well, and if you get your stuff done yeah, in the time that you have, yeah, that's what's important. Right. Now, it's hard in a smaller company because there's always – and it's even the same in a bigger company. I mean, there's always stuff to be done. Yeah. And you've got to find where you draw that line. Of, well, okay, you, you know, know, with 25 project managers, sometimes that whole – our whole area is just quiet. Nobody's there. I trust that they're on their job sites or taking <laughs> care of business. But if you're at the bank or running an errand, I don't care as long as you're getting your work done. And I can tell if you're not. Well, and that goes that motivation thing. Yeah. You know, no one's looking over your shoulder as long as you're doing what it is that you mm -hmm. need to get done. I think it's that way across the entire construction industry. I think so, too. If you get your job done, nobody's, like, watching you. Yeah. I don't watch. If my foremen are getting the job done, 
It's like, oh, well, you know, you're forming up to half hour early. It's like, what do you care? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just it's like, you're Hope- not signing the checks. Right. Hopefully none of them listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything you've seen out there technology-wise that's kind of blown your mind? So we have an app that we just started using at work. It's called Genius Scan. And we really got it because we wanted a quick and easy way for the guys that are out in the field that maybe don't, aren't on a big project and don't have a printer and a scanner or whatnot, that they could take a picture of a piece of paper or whatever it is, and it automatically converts it to a PDF. And then from there, you can either email it or uh, we use Ignite for our file sharing system. You can drop it right into Ignite. So I think that app is pretty cool. And then we just started using BIM 360. So I personally haven't played around with it yet, but I'm hearing that it's amazing. The field guys are loving it. And so I want to play around with that a little bit. Okay, so a couple of things to look at. Yeah. You know, it's amazing when you think about this idea of, I can just take a picture and turn it into a PDF and how big of a deal that is. You know what it was? (laughs) All that we were looking for, how that started, was if they don't turn in their shippers and receivers when something gets delivered to the site. Uh Uh-oh, Cliff sees these listed And then it takes forever to pay that invoice and I lost my discount, right? And I'm like, how can we make this faster? And some, you know, one of the young kids in our office said, why not use Genius Scan? What's that? Oh, it does this and this. I'm like, we're rolling it out to the entire company. <laughs> Do you get a lot of pushback? I mean, is that a difficult thing to get people to adopt? No, I feel like a lot of people are really adopting to the technology. Um, all of our foremen now, we're moving to iPads instead of laptops, and they're really picking it up. Well, and I would say, you know, for painters, it's one thing. You have a floor plan that's marked up with what wall goes yes. what color. <laughs> Plumbers, you got a little bit more that you're dealing Just with. Just a little bit. <laughs> So are, is basically all of your plans, I mean, are they digital? The guys walk yes. around with an iPad? Correct. Was that difficult to get people to buy into? Well, maybe the guys that it was difficult for have retired. <laughs> it's a much younger workforce now. But we also have, um, I want to call them kids, but they're not. But some very young people in our office that they're our go-to Bluebeam guys. And so we like to have our foreman spend time with Brandon is his name, uh, spend time with Brandon so that they get to learn how to use it. And once they see how easy it is, they're hooked. Can we get Brandon over to our office to teach them? No. <laughs> and, and last week, Jelani, Jelani goes, well, you know, she like rolled out the plans. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> makes the hand motion of she's rolling out a giant set of plans. That's what she's used to, you know? Right. And so it, it's interesting as you, you know, I listen to a lot of tech podcasts. There's some great ones out there for the construction industry. Yeah. And they talk about adoption is the hardest thing. It's getting people to buy into the technology. And granted, the technology could do everything in the world for you. But if you're not, if you don't have those systems in place to begin with, yes, it's kind of a waste. Right. Are you using uh, electronic timesheets? No. I don't see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. You're, now you're touching into coins territory, and we <laughs> don't want to go there. Right, exactly. But... You know, Bluebeam, great, great set of tools. And it's yes. very, anybody can pick it up. Yeah. You know, I've been trying to teach Cliff how to do some things with it, and he's getting over some of the hurdles. <laughs> but uh, is that where you guys do all your document control? Yeah, a lot of Bluebeam, a lot of Excel, and then our file sharing uh, system is through Ignite. Well, and I know with Bluebeam, because you can have all your plans yes. online. Yes. So as long as the guy's got access, even if he doesn't have access, he can have them downloaded to his plan, right. his, his iPad. And there's a lot of things out there that are neat to see. Do you think any of our foremen have an iPad that the ones that they bought themselves? Oh well, some of them, yeah. I would say some of them probably, but uh, again, it's that younger that younger generation, I guess. Yeah. I say. Moving forward, yes. What's your goal? 
Are you are, are you looking for the Jim DeFlavio position? Or? Yeah, eventually, yeah. But I mean, you know, Jim's new to that role, and I'm kind of his right hand. I'm I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm helping him out. Well, and and you've said before, and I think this is important to touch on is you feel supported by the company. I do. And the people around you. I do. Has that helped you in your career to get where you are? Absolutely. A long time ago, I think I was maybe a newer PM. We uh, we were awarded a project, and the estimator, who was an old field guy, really, he had retired and he was estimating. He we did a turnover. He turned over the project to me, so I understood what the what the project was. And then I off I went. Okay, I'm going to do the submittals. Got to get the schedule going. Got to get this job started. And the estimator kept sticking his nose in there and giving my form and direction. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He's like. Well, I don't think you know what you're doing. And I'm like, whoa, time out. Let's go talk to Jim about this. Jim was my immediate boss then. So I said, Jim, you know, here's the estimator, and he's got some concerns, and he doesn't think I know how to do my job. And so the estimator explained to Jim why he he thought what he did. Yeah. And Jim listened, nodded his head, and then he said, you might be on the boat, but she's fucking driving it. Do you understand? (laughs) End of story. End of story. Do you need me to say that again so we can cut off that? No, no. Let's go. Let's go. We can make it work. The thing would be, and Jirlani had touched on that, and I think we talked about it at dinner. You know, one of the best pieces of advice that she had for kids was know your stuff. Yes. Because if you know it, they can't ignore you. Yes. So what would you take on that be? I mean, what again, some of this advice that you would give to girls coming into the industry. Yeah. You know. Uh, same advice. I definitely agree with Jirlani. The other thing, too, is maybe I'm not always available or their immediate supervisor or whatever, right? It really helps to have relationships internally because then you can go to the detailer or to the purchasing agent or to the estimator that estimated the job. And you can ask and learn and find out instead of just sitting there and thinking, well, I don't have an answer, so I'm just going to stop. Like, go find out. Use your resources. Relationships internally are super important. Well, and so, yeah, develop those relationships inside yeah. the company. You got any questions, Cliff? No. You just blank, I guess. I've just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I don't have any book out. recommendations. Well, that's okay. I don't read. We don't I don't read, read either. I, I'm not a reader. No. I'm, I listen. You guys yeah. are terrible. Terrible, oh. terrible. <laughs> Sorry. But that's okay. I guess as we try to wrap it up. Let's, let's go back to you get stymied someplace. These people get stymied someplace. And... It's good if you have someone to go to, mm. but it's also good to try and figure it out. And we had a conversation earlier today about it's possible that the kids are coming right out of school. They don't know anything, and they're sort of in tune with this. Uh, I don't know this. I, go, I got to go figure I got to find it out. I got to figure it out. And people who are older, it's like, well, I should know this, and I don't know it, and if I don't know it, maybe it's not that all that important. You know, they don't actually like go after an answer. They just let it float on by, dismiss it. It's not, you know. And I think that that in, I'm going to use the word intention here. Okay. Right? Is everything you do, you need to be mindful and have intent that. What you're doing right now is only a part of something much larger. Yeah. And so you need to always be thinking about, I have to do this, but down the road, it's going to build on that. And so you need to be looking down the road where you're going when you're solving this problem so that it fits together later on. Because you don't want to like, oh, well, I can just do this. 
and then three steps down, right? It doesn't work at all. Right. I absolutely agree with that statement. And I think we're very good at our company in sending that message of the guy running the job is king. Everybody behind him. I don't care if it's detailing. I don't care if it's the fab shop. It could be accounts payable. We all work for that guy and making sure he's successful in building that job. Because that's where you make your money. Yes. You Labor. you assist those guys. You give them as much help as possible mm-hmm. so they can get it done as quickly and effectively as possible because they're the people that are actually making the money. Right. You know, the guy who's estimating the job, that's just the opportunity to make money. Yes. That's not money. You know, right. it's like an estimator say, oh, well, we're going we're to really do well. Yeah. No. <laughs> you don't know well, that. <laughs> yeah. We'll celebrate when the job's over. Right. Okay? Right. Well, you had, you had touched on there and, and had said, as we're talking about coming out of school and these kids' expectations, I think you have this understanding that you're not expected to know it all. No. And so, okay, I don't know. I'm just going to try to figure it out. They've been finding answers for the past four years. Right. right. <laughs> That's true. But, you know, too, as soon as they come out of school and we hire them, I can pro- usually tell in about six months, are you a go-getter and you're going to go find that answer? Or are you just going to sit there and wait because you didn't know what to do next? Uh, yeah. And are you know, when you come, like you, you had said earlier in the podcast, did you come to me with a solution? Yeah. And what you've already tried to figure out? Or yeah. did you come to me with the same question that you got to ask? Right. And have done nothing with it. Right. Yeah. You know, and so there's, there's a, that's a big deal. Yes. And I think Jamie even talked about that in her episode. Like, if you just oh. come to me with nothing, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to get chewed out. Like, and, and that's it. I mean, you've got to do your due diligence and make that work students that are out there that want to reach out to you and, and come to find you know anything about you what where can they find out more about yops first of all yeah so yops our website is womeninoperations.com if you go to the website you can register to become a member membership is free all of our events are free with the exception of one or two and that's mostly because uh, we're paying a golf course or a venue so that's where you can learn more about yops now, what about you? If some people want to look you up, where can they find you? Yeah, they can look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Shabini, last name Alford, and my email address is salford at murraycompany.com. Okay. Is there anything kind of in closing that you'd like to throw out there or, or think about for people in the industry? No, I just want to thank you guys for having me. I think what you're doing is, is really great. You know, she mentioned golf course. Okay. And we haven't asked this question. How much business do you do outside of the actual business environment? That's funny that you asked that. I personally don't golf. We have our company golf tournament coming up next month. I take some of our clients that also don't golf to the spa on site. So that's one thing. Second, we do a lot of business outside of the office, be it golf. We have a boat in Cabo. We have sports tickets, you know, the Kings and the Dodgers and all of that. A lot of business gets done out there. And that's an important part of our industry. Uh, The reason I said golf when I was talking about YOPS is because our event this month is a golf event. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were having this conversation today. I think you and and one of our estimators about guys that, you know, they court these they have these relationships and they court yes. these people when they're looking for work and they're doing different things. And, and it's all about relationships. It is. I mean, and it's not just on the pursuit for getting work. 
it's to continuously do that business development, if you will, because you might run into you know issues on that job, be it a contractual issue or your change orders or your you know they're behind on payments. It it helps to leverage that relationship. To have what you can. Uh, anything you want to say in closing, Cliff? No, I'm just thinking about like maybe we should start buying tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you find the guys that are into racing, <laughs> we'll be set, right? I can't find anybody to go see jazz with me. <laughs> Any see, listeners out there that are looking for <laughs> looking for an opportunity? What were you going to say? Something, Shabine? I was going to say all the guys in our office are into MotoGP. They're all it's it's golf or moto. That's it. <laughs> one or the one or the other. Yeah, I'm not interested in either. Well, Shabini, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank yes. you. And we look forward to seeing what you do in your career, and we're especially excited to see how YOPS you know turns out. Like I said, the plan is world domination. You guys are well on your way. Yes. So. uh Everybody, we want to thank you for listening. We hope uh, everyone will reach out to Shabini if you have any questions, and especially about YOPS. You know, great opportunity there for men and women alike, it sounds. Yes. If Reach out to us if you've got anything you want to say. You can always reach me at Kent at ConstructionCareerPodcast.com, and we would love to hear from our listeners. I mean, we appreciate it all the time that we get an email that just says, we're happy with what you're doing, really appreciate what you've got. So good luck in your career, and we'll talk to everybody next month.